You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore, and I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Hey, Holly. Hey, Robert. On today's episode, we talk with Russell Seiler-Jones about incorporating spirituality into therapy, why clients' faith matters, and how tending to ourselves plays a role. But first, Holly, how are you this week? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's. I know we were just uh, talking a little bit. There's lots happening in these couple yes. weeks here, kind of preceding uh-huh. and right after this, and and all of that. Uh, but you know, so that's a little bit feels a little bit uh, chaotic. But it's kind of a controlled chaos, maybe ish, uh, mm-hmm. to the extent that chaos can be controlled. I guess so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of things, lots of good things, but lots of lots of things happening. So uh, a busy things. chunk of time, but that's all right. It's uh, you know trying to slow down some and enjoy all those things, even as they are a little bit rapid fire. Yes. Oh, I love that. I really, really love that. The, yeah, the the need to enjoy and the, the, the willingness to enjoy those things as they're happening, I think is good. I know we've yeah. talked a lot about like having open tabs throughout this season, and I do feel like there have been some tabs that have closed. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we've talked about how um, all of our interviews are have been recorded. And so mm-hmm. now we're just going to slowly be letting them out over the next you know month or so. But yeah, so some tabs have been closed, but there still are quite a number of tabs right now that are yeah. coming in the background. So yeah, including uh, right before. So this will come out Monday. We're recording this the week before, but it mm-hmm. is your birthday week. So Aww. everybody can wish you by the time this comes out. Uh, can can wish you a uh, a belated happy birthday but uh mm. you know from past robert here you know whatever echoing <laughs> through the the time of people listening happy birthday oh thank you friend i appreciate that yeah it any is, big plans um not that like no no real big plans although i kind of feel like after the last couple of years we probably should have been thinking about that a little bit more but i think you know, true to all the tabs being open. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's coming up too. Um, but no, I think we just have a few, a handful of things that, you know, I know we were just talking about before that we're, you know, wanting to do with the kids that day, but otherwise I'm looking forward to a quiet and restful time with my family for, um, my birthday this year. So Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I know too that your little one also shares a birthday week with me. And so yeah. by the time this comes out, I know that, you know, Gray's already celebrated his birthday, but you know, it's still I know it's it's a I mean, it's a big birthday. It feels like a big birthday. So yeah. any of those like before ten, well actually all of them mm-hmm. they feel like big birthdays, but yeah. Yeah. So so happy belated birthday to Gray too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pass that along. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will get out of the way and let y'all listen to our conversation with Russell Siler Jones. All right. Enjoy y'all. 
Today we have uh, Dr. Russell Seiler-Jones, who is a director of the Residency in Psychotherapy and Spirituality at CareNet and Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And he's also a psychotherapist in private practice in Asheville, North Carolina. He's a diplomat in the American Association for Pastoral Counseling and a North Carolina licensed professional counselor supervisor. He's a graduate of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary with his Master in Divinity and Columbia Theological Seminary with his Doctorate in Theology. Dr. Jones has trained extensively in in internal family systems therapy, sensory motor psychotherapy, and EMDR. He's a therapist for with over 30 years of experience and has also worked as a case manager with chronically mentally ill adults, a pastor, and he's a hospital chaplain. He and his wife, Janine, live in Asheville and are parents of two adult children, and he is the author of Spirit in Session, working with your client spirituality and your own in psychotherapy. Russell, welcome to the show. Thank you, Holly. It's so good to be here. Hello, and hello, Robert. Yeah, yeah. good to have you. It is so good to have you. I know this has been a long time coming um, to bring you on the show, and we are so, so excited uh, that we finally had an opportunity to, to get the three of us together to chat. So I'm so excited to have you here today with us. Thank you. I appreciate the work that the two of you are doing um, on this podcast and obviously beyond it as well. So um, really, it's it's good to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Well, is there anything that we missed in the bio um, that you want to share as well? Uh, there are a few things that happened to me in third grade that you left out, but I, <laughs> but we'll just keep going and, and, and catch that up later another time, maybe. No, thank you. It was very, very, there's there's a lot there. I, I, so, yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Well, you have done quite a bit of good work, and especially at this intersection of faith and mental health. And I appreciate all uh, that you have done, and I'm excited for what we're going to get to learn from you today. So I want to be mindful of the fact that you really do have this strong background in clinical pastoral education. And so for mental health care providers who are listening who may not be familiar with this or for other listeners who aren't familiar with this, can you tell us a little bit about uh, that work that you do and, and even the Association for Clinical Pastoral Education and what they do as well? Sure. Thank you. I'll start with... Uh ACPE. And ACPE is an organization now 60 plus years old. And for all 60 plus years of its history, it has trained people who are preparing for ministry and has trained them in a particular way, has trained them in an experiential education model. The ACPE places students in clinical contexts where they go out and have conversations with people and then are part of a, a group experience where they reflect on their experience and learn from it, learn from one another and from really highly qualified supervisors. In the last three years, ACPE has also begun the work of training therapists, mental health providers, counselors in uh, the work of spiritual integration as part of the work of psychotherapy. So ACPE also has now a really robust, spiritually integrated psychotherapy program. And I've been part of helping develop that 
for therapists, you know, many of whom I assume are listening to this, who really value spirituality and religion, want to know how to move toward the 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 religious resources and spiritual struggles, religious struggles that their clients experience and want to know how to do that in effective ways, in ethical ways. ACPE has developed a program to help people grow grow their competence and their sense of confidence in doing that. So that's the work of ACPE and I'm really grateful to be part of that community and and part of the the training that's happening through ACPE. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good because there is, I think, you know, a, a newer perspective perhaps of uh, working with clients holistically, which which has to include their spirituality, whereas, you know, a lot of maybe formal training and things like that, kind of old school, or even I think like when I went to grad school, it was, you kind of didn't touch some of that, right? Because the, there was such a, a emphasis on not imparting your own beliefs. So that I think transitions pretty well into this book, Spirit in Session, right? So could we hear, would you be willing to tell us a little bit about your backstory? What led you to write this book? Uh, all of that type of stuff? Yes, thank you. I had been a therapist for 15 years when an organization called CareNet called me on the phone and asked if I would help start a training program for them to, to train therapists in that counseling network, which is, it's, it, it's a network of counseling centers across the state of North Carolina. And they wanted to train the therapist in that network who really valued spirituality. It was part of the organization's uh, mission to value spirituality, but they, they wanted the therapist in that network to be better at it and to feel more supported in working in that way. So I began this program for CareNet. And as part of that program, I was teaching therapists how to how to move towards their client's spirituality and also how to factor in their own spirituality without imposing it, how to let themselves be influenced and affected by their spiritual values and beliefs and practices. But, but as you were saying, Robert, not pushing that or, or imposing that on their clients. And I've gotten to work with so many amazing people in that CareNet program and via their patience and long suffering with some years where I was struggling to figure out how to teach this, I finally did figure out how to teach therapists um, who had no particular spiritual training or theological mm. education how to how to feel ready and able to to be with their clients in spiritual space. And I had people read lots of books, had our CareNet people read lots of books on this topic. There are some amazing books out in the world uh, to, that helped me teach our CareNet clinicians and uh, helped them learn this work. And I found myself at times wanting a book that was written more in the voice of a therapist. And I was actually mm -hmm. out running one day, <laughs> one afternoon. It was a beautiful October day. And I passed through this gate. I came out of the woods and was passed through this gate that led across a pasture. And and absolutely, right as I passed through that gate, this sense descended upon me, this voice, this beckoning that said, 
you should write all this down. You should put this in a book. And, mm-hmm. you know, 15, 18 months later, it was in a book. And the, 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 the book really is, I would say, a conversation from one therapist, me, to other therapists about what's involved in doing spiritually integrated work. It includes a lot of clinical examples, and I don't just mean descriptions. I mean actual conversations. This is what the client said. This is what I said. And I've, I'm, I'm just grateful that it's out there and that I was given the gift I, that I was asked to write it. And I, I've, I've been encouraged at the response of therapists, but also, honestly, uh, ministers and uh, chaplains uh, as well um, have, have told me they're, they're finding it, the, the book helpful to them in the work that they do. So that's, that's good. I, I'm grateful for that. I love yeah. that. I yeah, think Holly I, and I both are uh, reeling from the fact you said, oh, I was walking, I, you know, thought, oh, I should write this down. And 15 months later, here's a book. I mean, that timeline is uh, <laughs> incredible as, you know, that's just, that's incredible. So, yeah. Yes. No, I Holly, know. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, Holly, you and I have the same publisher. and And they, they encourage that pace. I'll tell you, I don't know that I would have written it as quickly without their encouragement and support, but I'm glad I did. I'm very glad I did. No, I, I love that. Yes, I, it is, um, yeah, our our publisher Templeton Press is quite, uh, supportive and encouraging when it comes to writing, um, books and they do work at a very fast pace and, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's so fascinating just, um, but, it's this book really is it is a gift and i remember very clearly when you wrote about that part in like you actually wrote about that in the book and going on the run and that nudge and feeling like this is mine to do and i i just have to tell you as somebody who has recently gone through a similar process i that's i mean that nudge i wasn't going for a run but um but i do i'm very familiar with that nudge when it's like this is mine to do i have to write this book and the way that you described it was quite beautiful in this book so i'm glad that you wove that story in can i ask you do, do you the nudge you got do you consider that a spiritual nudge oh absolutely yes absolutely no it's it it very it felt the discernment process between you know it being ego versus um spirit it was for me. It seemed very clear that it was a spiritual nudge that was like, "This is mine to do." And if I don't, and I, a, I, if I, like, I'm at a point at which I can no longer not write this, which is that sense of urgency that I kind of gathered from your background too, and the loss if it wasn't written, right? Yeah, and 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 I I I I just think that. The people we work with in whatever the work is that whatever the work it is that we do, minister, parent, teacher, therapist, chaplain, whatever it might be, we get those kinds of nudges. And it might be a nudge that says, write a book, but it, it also might be a nudge that says, stay here a little longer or mm-hmm. pick up the phone and call so-and-so. Or don't say this. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, we, I think we get these <laughs> nudges, and and 
and and and our clients uh, or the people we serve are getting those nudges too. And it needs someone sometimes to help them listen to those kinds of nudges. And I think that's a part of what holistic care is. So uh, thank you for <laughs> thank you for letting me ask you that question, Holly, about about a nudge and 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 the sense you had that it that 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 something spiritual was happening when you got nudged in that way. Hmm. Yeah, well thank you. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. and for your transparency. It's good. Yeah. So that's I think that's actually a a really awesome segue that you just set up uh, for us there. Which you know one of the things I always I'm always curious about when we have people on is can we kind of define the terms you know so someone listening so when when you just asked Holly like okay that nudge there was that a spiritual thing or was that kind of just oh I had this thought right when you talk about working with spirituality for clients and for a therapist right I think a lot of people are going to say okay well what do you mean because if someone says oh I had this kind of nudge that I should take this job maybe that's spiritual, maybe it's not, right? So what are you talking about? Like, can you kind of define spirituality as as what you're talking about for folks that say, okay, well, I don't maybe subscribe to a particular religion or faith tradition or, or anything like that? Yeah, the, spirituality is, for me, the hardest thing in the world to define, but it's not hard <laughs> to talk about. Mm-hmm, and I've asked you mm-hmm. the hardest question, I'm sorry. We'll get the hard one out of the way up front, I guess. Well, no, it's, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's a great question, and I... I so religion is pretty easy to define. Religion is a group of people who have gathered together around some shared beliefs or practices. And, and, and since it's a social thing, uh, something we can observe, a community of people we can observe, we can say, okay, well, that's, that's religion. Spirituality is less of a, uh, of a concept and it's more of an energy, I think. Spirituality has to do with our sense that there's something more to us than just the things we own or the things we accomplish or the things we believe. They can be really wonderful things we believe, like I'm awesome, or they can be really painful things we believe, like I'm a horrible person or I'm worthless. Spirituality is this sense we have that there's something more to us than all of that. It's this, mm. it's our connection with something deeper, uh, more essential, higher, more powerful, more tender than we are just of our own doing or own being. And the way we relate to that energy and the sense we have of that energy, I would say that's our spirituality. And our spirituality can be that we, our hearts are open to it and we embrace it. We're guided by it. Our spirituality can also be that we are numb to it, that we pay no mm-hmm. attention to it, that we ignore it, that, that maybe we're getting nudged all the time, but our, our skin is thickened and we don't feel those nudges. That is that's how I think of spirituality and yeah. that's the way I try to listen for it when I'm just having a regular conversation with a regular person or a, a, a particularly a therapeutic conversation um, just trying to listen for that deeper other non-habitual um, energy 
in people mm. that 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 gives them life and joy and guidance and a sense of purpose. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's my sense of spirituality. Yeah, I love that because when you sh- the, everything you just said, right? This idea of like how we relate to our selves and the world and the people around us and how we make sense of that and all that from that aspect you kind of go okay well how how could you not work with that in therapy as opposed to you know when people think of it in in kind of faith terms in particular religions or whatever right you go oh well maybe i could get away with not touching that area you know if i didn't want to but what you just described is like you know kind of the 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 entire work of relationships and therapy and you know so yeah it is, and 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 it's that's not to say that there are not explicitly religious or spiritual conversations that happen in therapy. People say all the time, "I'm praying about this," or mm-hmm. "I'm I'm wondering what God is trying to tell me in all this." Uh, a, 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 cli- a client recently was facing an incredibly stressful situation. And and what he kind of found was getting him through it was he was singing hymns in his head, you know, mm. he as he was going through this really just horrific circumstance. What was keeping him from pulling his hair out and from falling apart was he would just kind of hear the melody of these hymns that had been sung into him for years and years and years. So, and and he talked about that, you know, in therapy. So so. Spirituality is sometimes an explicit part of a conversation in therapy, but as you just said so beautifully, Robert, implicitly, it's never not there. You know, we're never not a physical body, we're never not uh, a mind, and we're never not a spirit. It's 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 always there, uh, regardless of how attuned I might be to it or, 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 or dissociated from it. It's, it's always there. Mm, No, I, I hear you and, um, I really appreciate the way that you so beautifully articulated spirituality, um, in general, but especially thinking about how it's, you know, showing up in these therapeutic settings and some of the, the nuance and complexity that I know we'll, we'll get into in just a little bit too, but, I'm glad that we set the stage with you talking a little bit about what this term is and what it means, especially as it relates to mental health treatment and just the the being human in general. Um, I do want to note this. So this book that you've generously offered us, it is broken up into three parts. The first part really does um, offer this overview of the book and spirituality in general, which you just kind of uh, discussed. You do move into talking about working with the client spirituality, which I want to circle back to say what you were saying before about needing uh, a book for therapists or being written by you know a mental health care provider. Um, I just want to echo that yes, that we we really do need uh, resources in this area. So I am glad that you stewarded that. And then the last part of this book is where you nod to the role of the mental health care provider's spirituality and its role in the setting. So part one, again, it sets that stage for what you mean about spirituality and its role in mental health practice. Um, you've, I really appreciate how you've just kind of 
unpack that. But I would love to hear too, if there are some some key things that you really want our listeners to be mindful of as we move further into the conversation, as it relates to spirituality, um, you know, practically or, you know, within these mental health settings or just, just some things that you want our listeners to be mindful of. And so you'd, you'd like me just to stay within maybe the frame of that first section of the book in responding to this? Yeah, yeah, I think that would be helpful. Just it, it, just if there are any things that you're like, I really want to make sure that listeners hear this as we're going through and talking about working with the client spirituality and with your own. Like, is there anything else from that first part that you really want them to hear? Yeah, yeah. I, well... Holly, actually, the research you've done is one thing I would, some of the research you've done is part of what I'd want people to hear. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That most clients, and this is a study you were part of that I think came out in the summer of 2021 in the journal Social Work, but the majority of people who come from mental health care believe that their mental health symptoms have something to do with who they are spiritually. And- Mm-hmm. So I'm saying this to perhaps mental health providers who are listening. Your clients do consider this relevant. The, the majority of the people who come for mental health care consider themselves not just spiritual but religious. There, there are people who consider themselves spiritual but not religious, but even, and I think the numbers on that is probably 85 or 90% of people in the United States, and but roughly 70% plus percent of the people in the United States consider themselves not just spiritual, but religious. So this is an important part of the the meaning systems that yeah. your clients operate within, Part of a big part of what motivates them, a uh, big part of their resource system. So it's, it's, it's very important to have an ear for who your clients are spiritually and religiously. And it doesn't mean that that's the only thing you want to talk with them about, but you want to listen for that part of their life, and I think you also want to ask directly about it at some point, um, just not in an imposing way, but just to ask if spirituality or religion are mm-hmm. important to, yeah. to the person who's come to see you. And I know that there are people who aren't therapists who are listening to this, and uh, I guess to them, to you, I, I, I would want to say to ministers listening, the work you're doing is important. In, in helping shore up the spiritual foundations upon which people are, or around which people are organizing their lives. And others who are listening, I just would encourage you to take this part of yourself seriously. Uh, maybe I would also say take it playfully, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it really matters. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a big part of, I mean, it's an essential part of yeah. who you are, who we are. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, if you want to hear more from Holly about that, you can actually check that out on episode 31, back when Holly was a guest before she was a co-host. So oh my I'll gosh. just throw that out there <laughs> for our listeners to go back and check that one out. That's awesome. It's a good throwback. Well, thank you for the the nod, Russell. I, I am humbled and appreciate that. And I, But most importantly, I'm glad that you're elevating the importance of this for many clients and that they are saying that this is an important part of who they are and and what they bring. They see it as being relevant to mental health. So I think that's that's so good. Well, if it's okay, I'd love to, to kind of 
maybe move on to the second part, unless yeah. there was anything else that you wanted to share about the first part. No, no, let's move. Let's move along. Okay. That's great. Okay, awesome. So in part two, um, you begin talking with us more about client spirituality. And so I would love to hear what does that mean for mental health care providers to be working with their client spirituality? I know you've got a number of different ways in which they can be attending to this area. Um, so I'd love to hear you maybe just talk through, you know, a handful of these for our listeners to contemplate. Yeah. I, I, so if to, to say it most simply, I think working with another person's spirituality means trying to learn what their spiritual resources are and what their spiritual struggles are. And bearing in mm. mind that on both sides, the resource side and the struggle side, people are spiritual in explicitly spiritual ways, you know, connected to particular recognizable religious and spiritual traditions, and also in implicitly spiritual ways. So a spiritual resource could be explicitly spiritual, like uh, a person has a practice of prayer, or they read a scripture, or they're part of a uh, a religious community that's a source of support and resiliency in their life. But resources can be things that are not immediately recognizable as spiritual, or they're spiritual if you have ears to hear them as spiritual, but if you're not listening in that way, you might not recognize it. So, well, let, 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 me, let me say this. In the Christian tradition, there is a list in the New Testament of what are called gifts of the Spirit, and they include mm. qualities like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So something, what, what that says to me is when patience is happening, something spiritual is happening. When kindness is happening, mm. something spiritual is happening. And so a person's qualities of you know, joy or peace or patience or kindness uh, those are also spiritual resources. The time people spend in nature, uh, for many, is a is a spiritual resource. Listening to music is a spiritual resource. So, paying attention to client spirituality means listening for these resources that can be really important in helping people stabilize when they are reeling in a mental health crisis, or helping them across or through some wicket of transformation when they when they when they're through a crisis but they're they're stuck in some area of their life leaning into resources that release release and expand spiritual power is a really helpful thing to do in therapy and and you know we 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 find out what people's resources are by asking simple questions like what's been getting you through this or in the past what got you through and oftentimes mm -hmm. they'll tell us something explicitly spiritual, but oftentimes they'll tell us something implicitly spiritual. I guess we also assess resources just by watching how people live and listening to them talk. Somebody says, oh, I'm feeling grateful about this or that. Well, gratitude is a, is a spiritual capacity. So we, we in spiritually integrated work, we're, we're moving towards resources all the time. And, and, and it's helpful to have an ear for just the variety of things that can be resources in a spiritual way. We're also in spiritually integrated psychotherapy, paying attention to struggle. 
So mm-hmm. pe- people get hurt in religious contexts. They suffer um, injury or abuse sometimes. But even shy of that, people wrestle with their faith or they wrestle with um, a sense of guilt or they they have doubts about something they were taught, but but their circumstances have affected them in such a way that they're now calling that into question. Or they feel like maybe they have failed their faith or failed someone important in their life. And they struggle with spirituality in those senses as well. And so we're in spiritually integrated work. We're listening on both sides. We're listening for resources and tending to those and trying to expand the impact of resources. And we're listening Mm -hmm. to struggles, not because we want to give people answers. Oh, you're struggling with this? Well, A, B, C, done. But so that we really validate that it makes sense that this person is struggling in this way and that they're not alone, that others have struggled in this way, and that the way through a struggle is through it, not around it. We encourage people to to hang with it and to take yeah. seriously the things they're struggling with. That's, yeah, I, gosh, thank you so much. I think the way that what, what I want and I hope listeners are hearing from what you're describing is that there is so much nuance and complexity around this integration um, in mental health treatment and that it's not like I, I really appreciate how you're elevating that. Yes, there are resources, spiritual resources and supports and ways in which, you know, folks are engaging in their spirituality to help them cope, but also there are struggles that they're navigating and facing. And there has been, um, many folks have experienced pain in their past as it relates to their religion or spirituality. And so just the the way that you kind of unpack that, I think was beautiful. And it's good for mental health care providers to know, but I think, I think it's important for each of us to be mindful of that complexity um, as we navigate life and, and just knowing that, that that complexity is, is part of it. Holly, you know, you've you've also researched and written about how when a therapist, when a caregiver is mindful of the spiritual journey they have been on, that it helps us be sensitive and hear the the nuance, the spiritual nuance in the people we're providing care for. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this is a this is a place where, you know, to everyone who's listening, whether you offer care as a therapist, a minister, a friend, a member of a family, you're going you're gonna to be able to accompany people best if you've been willing to go into those nuanced places yourself. And most, you know, I, I think most everyone who is spiritually alive struggles. And so for you, for, for any of us to have been willing to witness our own struggles on their own terms, it sensitizes us and equips us and prepares us to be present with other people who are going through struggles of their own. And I guess I would say, if you've ever been Job... You know what it's like when friends show up and try to give you easy answers, and mm, yeah. if you've and mm-hmm. and so to 
to know that that what's helpful is is presence and uh, so, so something of a me too. I understand. I get it. I've I've been in in a dark place like this too. Uh, though that kind of support is 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 what's transformational for people who are struggling. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It, it's I. Well, gosh, I. Thank you um, again for the the kind just nod um, to that that writing. But you're right; that's it is like I love that you brought in the piece about Job because both Robert and I like we we love that analogy of Job and <laughs> um, as he as Robert will say, you know, that present non judgmental, no agenda attention um, and just willingness to be with others um, and to to hold that space with them is so important, but, but I, I mean, you're, well, first of all, you're answering our next question because we were going to get into part three and you've kind of already answered it. So, um, but, um, but that, but that, but you're really getting at the, the importance and how necessary and urgent it is to be tending to our own spirituality and to pay attention to that and to hold space for it and, and to honor the complexity within it. And, yeah, I, I don't know if there's if there's anything else you want to add about part three or if there are some strategies that you think would be really helpful for folks to hear about. Yes, yeah, so we have already talked about this a little bit, but 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 I think I would like to say a bit more. The first thing, the the, the third part of the book for those who've not read the book is about how therapists and I would say others can draw upon their own spiritual perspectives without pushing those upon whoever it is that we're trying to be in support of. Every person has their own unique spiritual fingerprint, and whoever we're caring for, we want them to be faithful to their spiritual fingerprint, not to ours, and that's why we don't want to impose. But when we're, bring, when we're offering care, we can't stop suddenly stop being a spiritual being and the spiritual resources that are ours and the spiritual struggles we have known can be incredibly useful to us as we understand others and connect with others and offer ourselves in some way that we hope will be useful or healing to others. So I, I, I'll repeat myself just a little and say being on your own spiritual journey is the, probably the best thing you can do to be able to accompany others on their spiritual journey. Mm. If, mm -hmm. if you have had moments when a short phrase from Scripture has just opened your heart in, in a way that you, you, you were totally blown away by and, and not expecting, or if you've ever just been riding in your car and suddenly a song comes on the radio and it speaks into your life in a way that just changes everything. Or if you've ever just sat in a room and suddenly the clouds outside part and the sun is out and the light shines across the floor in a certain way and something happens in you or if you've ever 
just been in a in a moment when the kindness of another person uh, made made a difference in your in your life. If you've had those experiences yourself, those spiritual experiences, it helps you recognize them and appreciate them yeah. and value them and support them when you hear other people describing things like that. They, they, they're not mm-hmm. going to describe things that exact in exactly the same way that you experience them. But if you've if if your own life has been spiritually tenderized, you know, and plowed and cultivated, you're gonna you're gonna recognize those those happenings as they are present in other people's lives. So I I I think strategies, if just to just to just to move towards that word, are you know, stay awake yourself, mm. keep tending that part of your life, and be 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 open to learning from others um, the ways that spirit intersects their life. Uh, it might be that that's one of the nudges that 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 might be a nudge that's that's coming into your life to mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. to make to to make your life a more spiritually flourishing place. I, 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 I bet I could say more, but why don't I pause there and yeah. let's see how that lands and where no, we go next. That's so, so good, Russell. I really appreciate it. I think it's beautiful. Even that language that you offered us around um, spiritually tenderizing, or I just love it. And the way that you're describing how you know, we may not have the same experience as somebody else, but there is a deep part of us. There's a deep knowing um, of another's experience that can resonate or is like a tuning fork to moments that we've had, those sacred moments that we've had where, you know, we can at least hold that space and be with them and honor their sacred moments and experiences. So I just, I love that. Holly, when you said the word tenderized, can I tell you what just popped into my head that I, that I think is yeah. germane to this conversation. One of my favorite writers ever uh, is is a man named Brian Doyle. Does he? I don't know if either of you has run across Brian Doyle, but he no, he. I don't um, think so. He died three or four years ago uh, at the age of sixty. Uh, before he died, he was this amazing, prolific writer. He wrote essays about nature. Uh, he wrote poetry, and he wrote novels. And uh, one of his novels, a novel called Mink River, it was the first thing I ever read of his. And I just happened upon this book in the library. I'm literally just going to the library before Christmas break to grab books off the shelf. And I saw this book. It spoke to me. It leaped out at me. And so I ended up reading this novel. And I, I read this novel, Mink River. And I said, it just made me, I fell in love with these people. And I, it made me want to be a better person. And then I read basically everything Brian Doyle ever wrote. But a few years ago, right around Thanksgiving, I, I just said, you know, I want to, I wonder what Brian Doyle is up to. And so I Googled him and I came across an article that in, he lived in Portland, Oregon. And um, he, uh, in, in this article, it said, the, the, the paper in Portland had said, Brian Doyle has cancer. He's got, he's got a brain tumor and he's going to be having surgery right after Thanksgiving. And, you know, he did have surgery and, and, and died early the following year. But in, in, they interviewed him in this article and 
He said, I've, I've received so many emails and cards from people, more than I can respond to. And if I could use this platform just to respond, he said, a lot of people are asking me, is there anything we can do for you? And he said, yeah, there actually is. Be more tender today than you were yesterday Ooh. and laugh. Mm-hmm. If you want to do something for me, that's it. Be tender and laugh. And oh my gosh. that story, you know, just reading those words tenderized me. And he's a, you know, he's a, he's a giant witness in my life. And so anyway, I hope that story is tenderizing for, mm. for some folks who are listening. And, and, and in addition to plugging my own book, I want to plug everything Brian Doyle, B-R-I-A-N-D-O-Y-L-E ever wrote. Uh, you, <laughs> you, will not, you will never regret reading Brian Doyle. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you did weave that in. And I'm going to kind of tuck that wisdom in my back pocket for today to stay tender and laugh. And so I really appreciate you elevating that. I do. I I know that we're getting really close um, up on our time. And so before we wrap up, I do want to hear if you just have like a couple of sentences to share with our audience about the training that you're leading through ACPE that's called Spiritually Integrated Psychotherapy. I know we briefly nodded to it in the beginning, and we're going to have a link for folks to learn more about it in the show notes. Um, but can you, is there's like a couple of things you want to tell folks about it to kind of get them curious and hop over to learn more about this training? Um, what would you share with them? Yeah. So, uh, the, I'd say the two foundations of the training are that we want to teach people, we believe spirituality matters and we want to help caregivers learn to move towards spirituality. And we also believe community matters and that people learn to do this work best in relationship to other people. So, it is a continuing education training for which people, res- therapists receive CE, continuing education credit. It happens online, uh, so people can attend from anywhere they have a, an internet connection. It's a 30-hour training, and there's a, but the training is not over when the training is over. There's also a community. The beautiful part about it is there's a community of people who are committed to doing this work and to supporting each other in doing this work and to rubbing elbows with each other uh, well past the 30 hours um, of the training itself. So yeah, if you, if that speaks to you, um, you can find us at acpe.edu. And, and, and as Holly just said, I think the, there'll, there'll be a link to that spiritually integrated psychotherapy program in the show notes as well. Yeah. That's so good. So one thing that we love asking folks when they come on is, and obviously you've been doing this work for a while, and also this book, the trainings, all of that, right? What is your hope for, for all the good work that you're doing? Oh, wow. Um, I hope <laughs> that... I'm asking all like the, the big hard No, 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 that, no, thank you. I, I hope that People who are ready to be supported in the ways that the book and this training program are available to support people, I hope people will find it. I hope they'll work in different ways, both for the sake of their clients, but also I hope they'll their their own. I hope their sense of satisfaction and meaning in the for themselves will be greater. 
And I hope that really, (laughs) this is my deepest hope probably, I hope people will feel more awake to the presence and action of spirit in their lives and in the world. That's mm. so the, just very small hopes, you know, just, just <laughs> yeah. tiny hopes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful, Russell. And I just, I'm so appreciative of who you are and the way that your heart just shows up in all of this good work that you do, which I think was so evident um, throughout today's conversation. Well, listener, if you would like to connect with Russell, you can learn more and find him at russellsylerjones.com. And we're going to have a bunch of additional links in the show notes for you to learn more about the good work that he's doing. Um, you could, uh, if you're interested in, or if you want to connect with Robert, you can find him at robert-bohr.com or on any social media at Robert Bohr. Uh, if you want to connect with me, you can find me at hollyoxhandler.com or on any social media at hollyoxhandler. Russell, thank you again so very much for coming on and joining us for today's conversation. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners today? This is a great podcast. Y'all keep listening. That's my thought. That, that, <laughs> and, 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 then, and then for uh, for Robert, you, and Holly, thank you so much for having me and asking really great questions and, and interacting in, in such authentic ways yourselves. Um, it's, it's, I've, it's been good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH podcast at gmail.com.